So here we are, about 24 hours after arriving for most of us. And um, here is life presenting itself in whatever way it is right now, with whatever variety of experience. There's many of us that are here probably have as many different ways of describing, uh, interpreting, making sense of, telling ourselves stories about what's happening. Those interpretations that, you know, that run in line with our habits, with our history, with whatever momentum of practice or wisdom we've already uh, cultivated. And because of that, because of this constant sort of crossroads we find ourselves at between life expressing itself and us meeting it, in that moment, this moment, every moment, there's the opportunity to, what I was calling earlier in the meditation, to enter in to this meet point, this point of penetration into life this point of intimacy with life this point where we get to see what's happening and it may feel the first day of a retreat that that seeing into what's happening is one where we're seeing through a, a kind of you know clouded Lenses may be clouded by rest, our own restlessness or cr- clouded by various ideas, clouded by discomfort, clouded by doubt sometimes. Sometimes actually clouded by enthusiasm. So keen to meditate. So keen to have our attention be just right there with the breath that we're kind of, you know, like all guns blazing. So fixated on just what does he say? Breath. Okay, breath, breath, breath. And we find ourselves kind of sucking and blowing rather than just letting breathing happen. Like, here I go. (laughs) So life is streaming through awareness. When we, we, the, the things we, we give attention to, certainly in establishing the foundations of uh, meditation, we attend to things that most obviously express that streaming nature, that fluid nature, fleeting nature, changing nature. Breath and bodily sensations are a great uh, area of experience for that. Just Nothing, you know, it doesn't stay the same. It's just streaming through. Like we said this morning, we think of body as a thing, but when we really attend to body, oh, it's a, it's a dance. It's a constantly changing field of experience. Streaming through awareness. We attend to sounds. Oh, it's constantly changing. Streaming through awareness. I like that word, streaming. Probably think of it more in terms of Netflix than meditation. 
Well, it's interesting that the evolution of the digital world. You know, we used to we used to collect music, right? We used to collect music as objects, records, etc. When we collected films, you know. and now we just stream it all. We kind of realise, you know, the, that the important thing, the the point of interest in music is in the listening. The point of a film is in the watching, rather than in the owning and the holding on to. So we've kind of given up, most of us probably, like, uh, collecting the objects of music and film, and we just we stream them. We just let them stream through awareness. In the, in the hearing, the music is alive, not in the having it displayed in a, in a box or on a shelf. So that's the digital evolution, but the inner evolution tends to run a bit slower. <laughs> and we find, maybe, that while it's true, life is just streaming through, experience is just streaming through awareness, and yet we're still maybe running the ownership model the download model. We kind of tend to, things happen and we tend to kind of, oh yeah, we sort of store them on the hard drive, as it were. And it sometimes happens, maybe when we come into a meditation retreat, that we start to realise how uh, fragmented, I won't keep going on with computer <laughs> imagery, I promise, how fragmented the hard drive has gotten. How buggy the system is. And we notice that, oh, we're kind of still running old programs. Maybe I won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Out of date software. Corrupted. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) But it's one way we might conceive of or recognize a possibility of of cleaning up the, the system. Right? Of actually being more up to oh here I go I uh, you know having a more up to date system in other words running in in line with what's happening now right? just running our our experience being awake to experience in line with what's happening now rather than having it filtered through our habitual historical built up kind of reactivity. And so we come here and we sit down in meditation and we engage with you know, a lot of sincerity. And life is streaming through in its different ways, pleasant moments, unpleasant moments, pleasant sensations, unpleasant sensations, interesting uh, moments, less interesting moments, sweet moments and fearful moments, etc., and we find maybe that despite the willingness or maybe the vision or the hope that we could just let it all stream through and that we could be here freely with it all, that it kind of gets snagged on our downloaded material and gets snagged on our habitual reactivity as evidenced by you know, the resistances and the storytelling, the pushing and pulling with what's happening. And maybe you've noticed some of that today, some of that pushing and pulling. Buddha was very interested in streaming and used the image 
of of a stream, sense of current, fluidity, movement. And the imagery of that occur, occurs in, in several different important ways in the, in the original teachings, most particularly in two seemingly contradictory ways. The first, where this whole practice is described as going against the stream. And going against the stream, against the stream of our habits, against the stream of our reactivity, etc. And again, may have felt like that in moments today. You know, that it seems like our attention wants to pull us in certain ways, to pull us off into abstraction, to pull us off into story, to pull us off into fantasy, to pull us into habitual ways of worrying or regretting or replaying or feeling nostalgic or, or whatever it is. Pulling us off into the, story, the sort of stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and others, etc. And we feel like to not be pulled off in that direction, it kind of takes work, the hard work of sitting here doing nothing. And it's interesting, we can start to see some of that reactivity just in that, exp- um, just in that juxtaposition of incredibly simple practice. Just sit quietly, let it all happen, be present. It's hard to think of a less taxing activity. And yet, and yet, we recognise that sense of going against the stream because it can feel like just that there's, there's, a, there's struggle just in the attempt to do that. That we're trying literally to do nothing. Or trying, like I was saying earlier, to do breathing. Trying to do meditation. Which it turns out, and maybe we'll see more and more as we go on, or maybe we all have re- already have the sense or flavour of that, that meditation is much more actually about an undoing. Allowing our habitual doing to soften, to dissolve, to be given up. So that's one image of the, of the stream in the, in the Buddha's teachings, right? That sense of this practice of going against the stream. And, the, and specifically, the language that's used is going against the stream of greed, hatred, and delusion. And I'll, I'll maybe unpack that a little more as we go on. The other image that's given, which seems to initially to be exactly the opposite, is called entering the stream. And in particular... Um, a particular establishment in one's practice where one starts to really know and see and feel a certain freeness of being is referred to as as, uh, entering the stream. So I'd like to look at um, experience and look at this practice in the light of these two images and maybe to offer these reflections in the spirit, in the, in, the, in the support of this moving from a going against the stream with its sense of uh, friction or struggle to entering the stream, to a sort of alignment with and a receptivity to and an allowing of life's 
streaming through us. As, as I just said, and as you know, you've doubtless noticed, it can seem as if experience wants to pull us away from being here in different ways. And therefore this, this going against the stream, it's you know just like if you're walking against a strong headwind, right? Or if you're swimming against a strong current. One can feel the drag. You have to kind of lean in in some ways. And so we might really get curious, well, what is it that's pulling on us, pulling at our attention? How come those, that, that, the, the pulls on our attention seem so strong and so compelling? So that even having put aside this time and being you know, willing and sincere to sit here, like someone was mentioning this morning, you know, say, okay, I'm going to just really be with breathing. And you know, one breath, two breaths, three breaths in a really good moment, and then, you know, and then that compulsion has pulled us into some or other drama, some or other scenario. It's kind of humbling. And it's humbling, um, you know, in, there's different levels of subtlety of that, right? But it's probably pretty humbling whether you're quite new to practice or the, whether you're very well established in this kind of practice. It's humbling to just to sit with oneself and watch and be curious about and be close to the way our experience pulls in that way at us or pushes at us. The fact that experience does that, right? The fact, the, the, or the, the basic layer of it, that there's experience streams through and impacts us in different ways, right? It streams through, and sometimes it's, well, the stream is, is very pleasant, right? Pleasant sensation, pleasant thought, pleasant sights, pleasant sounds, pleasant smells. You know? The basic material of experience impacts pleasantly sometimes. And then sometimes it impacts unpleasantly. Unpleasant sensation, unpleasant feeling, etc., etc. And sometimes it's really neither one nor the other. And when it's neither one nor the other, we barely notice it. The more pleasant or unpleasant an experience is, the more strongly it impacts. If you're sitting and you feel a very, very sweet sensation, just you know, maybe the cool air or the, the delicious sound of the bird song or you know, something. Or a very pleasant thought arise. Oh yes, oh yes, I remember. Oh. And it pulls on our attention much more. Similarly, if something the more strongly unpleasant something is, the more it pulls on our attention. Mildly unpleasant sensation happens, or we notice. But if the unpleasant sensation gets stronger, Right? We've been sitting for some time and the legs are getting a bit... The more strong the unpleasant sensation, the more strongly it pulls at attention. The, the, those, the sensations or the experiences that aren't particularly strongly pleasant or unpleasant, they barely pull, we barely notice them. Right? Hard to give an example because 
We don't notice them. If you want to find a neutral sensation, sense your elbows right now. What's happening in your elbows? Like nothing interesting. That's what I mean. Right? It doesn't pull at the attention. It's like, hmm. So what? Why would I want to pay attention to elbows? Actually, it's very interesting to, pay att- to really give our attention to a fairly neutral level of experience. Because right? it's a way of undercutting our habitual kind of re- reactive, jerky response to pleasant and unpleasant stimulus. That's one of the reasons, again, we use breathing as an object, and it's one of the reasons why attention doesn't initially stay very easily with breathing, because it's quite neutral. Right? It's neither particularly pleasant nor particularly unpleasant. It can become either of those things. Right? Maybe we get very peaceful and just we start to feel the kind of the magicness, the wonder of the fact that breath's even happening at all. It feels very pleasant. Maybe that we've got a cold, or we start to cough, or we, or we got so contracted around being here at all, and the idea of meditation, that the breath feels very unpleasant. It can be any of those things, but, but usually by its nature, it's not particularly stimulating. Therefore, it's not particularly interesting to normal mind. Therefore, I'd much rather space out and think about something pleasant, or start moaning and complaining about something unpleasant that's the way conventional mind works right and so we find in that we we're you know we're going against the stream of our experience when there's a pleasant impact we tend to kind of reach for it and we can start to really feel that happening right the way we latch on to pleasant experience. It may be something that's happening or it may be just the idea of something we'd like to happen. That's why the meals start to assume epic proportions in our minds and retreat. Right? I mean, the food's nice here but it's probably not worth the amount of kind of uh, investment that we give to it. And sometimes the whole day, the whole schedule can turn around when the next meal is. Okay, we're going to do this and this and then lunch. Because you just they become there's not like we were saying this morning there's not a great deal of entertainment on retreat, so the the moments that mark themselves out as ple- as possible pleasant experiences they start to stand out and then there's that reach. Very helpful to start to really notice the reaching. Does the reaching make lunch come quicker? Or the reaching that we do just for the bell to ring at the end of us. Come on, come on. Come on. It's like you start leaning forward as if if I lean a bit closer to the bell, I'll hear it sooner. Mm-hmm. And then with the unpleasant, you know, go in the other direction and start to resist. And again, plenty of opportunities. Whether we're, whether we're well established in practice or new to practice, you know, you sit in a certain way, and whether you're sitting on a on the floor, which can be a little more intense, or whether you're sitting on a chair, it doesn't really matter. Sooner or later, unpleasant experience comes along, and you get we get this you know, maybe unwelcome opportunity, but actually precious opportunity 
to see what resistance really is. To, act, to feel, actually, more accurately, to feel the way we resist. The way we compound the unpleasantness. Starts off, say, a physical sensation, some heat, some density, and then we start to, oh dear, uncomfortable. Don't like it. Don't want it. How long is it going to last for? What can I do about it? And with each layer of concern with it, fussing about it, telling ourselves story about it, we kind of harden our attention. We, we kind of increase the resistance to it. So that actually, we're not even dealing with the heat or density of sensation anymore, which by itself isn't that unbearable. What we're dealing with is we're seeing it through these layers of resistance, which have compounded it until it's become this kind of you know, unworkable thing. So we tend to reach for the pleasant and resist the unpleasant. And then in those neutral moments, what do we do? We tend to just remove ourselves, another R. Some of you know I like mnemonics, like so reaching, resisting, and then removing. Like with the you know, the elbow. It's like oh, nothing interesting happening here. We just kind of whew, remove ourselves from being present. As if we're kind of roaming around in our minds looking for something more stimulating, more interesting. And that's the stuff of our practice. Like I was saying this morning, that's not the wrong thing. That's not the thing that we're supposed to stop doing. So to just exist in some kind of limbo of ever-present, just me and breathing forever. That's that's. It's it's so instructive that stuff. We get to really see how mind is working. And get to see the the habits that have built up over time. We get to see the views we have about ourselves, about experience. And so there's a few a few qualities I think that really help us to make the most of that that everyday, every moment um, kind of of thing that's happening in meditation and we've been engaging this practice right which our primary form of just dealing with that stuff the dropping it and coming back dropping it and coming back and as the days go by we'll fill that out a little more but i wanted to just give voice to some particular qualities with which it's really helpful to do that coming back, that returning, that entering into contact. And the first is just the a sort of a quality of like patience. One of my Indian teachers used to say he asked for two pesa, and pesa is like a penny in English, but in Indian currency we could say two pennies. He said, What are my two pennies that I ask for my teaching? Patience and perseverance. So that was his request. We had to pay two paisa, two pennies for the teaching. Patience and perseverance. 
And really what that, that, the invitation of that is, is just the, 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 that we kind of let ourselves soak in that process. It's, it's sort of obvious, but it's hard to communicate. And, and I remember myself, I was a really impatient practitioner. I was really inspired, right? I really, I was like, wow, yeah, Dharma practice. I had this vision. Oh, yeah, normally mine gets pulled around here and pulled around there. And there's this possibility to not get pulled around. Oh, just sit and let life stream through and be free. Let's go. But that was driven along by impatience. And in, this, in the face, I think, of this, what we've been calling going against the stream, it, when we feel the rub, the friction, when we kind of see the stark reality that I'm constantly reaching for the pleasant or resisting the unpleasant or removing myself to look for something, we see how much fussing we're doing with our experience. We can tend to have one of two reactions to that stream. One response is we kind of collapse. We just feel blown over. It's like, well, this is the way I am. Sometimes people will say that, oh yeah, I tried meditation, it wasn't for me. And there may be moments, even if we feel like it is for us, maybe moments where we just feel daunted by the, what, seems, what seems to be this kind of relentless tide of our habits and the pulls on our attention. And we feel like a sense of hopelessness or collapse. And that can happen in, you know, in some big way, but it can also happen in just micro ways. In the middle of meditation, we like being sincere, okay, attending to breath, and some thought catches us up, and then, and, then, and, then, and then we notice, fantastic, life wakes us up. We notice we've been caught up, but it's like, oh, yeah, but there's so many thoughts, and they're so interesting. And breath, you know, I can come back to that in a little while. And then off we go. We kind of, kind of get steamrolled by that, that stream of our habits and take ourselves off there. And then the other tendency, the opposite, you can feel, when we feel the, kind of the, the impact of all, all that habit energy of what we do with our thoughts, is to sort of, like I was saying, being impatient. Or, uh, also called it earlier, being clouded by our enthusiasm. It's like we really lean in hard to the stream. Right? We kind of point ourselves out there as if I'm sort of doing battle. And that was very much my style. When I started practice, that sense that I'm doing battle, I'm going to get through this. You know, I'm going to do battle with this stream. I'm going to somehow, you know, zap these thoughts and and uh, get rid of this reactivity. It's one of the things then that makes it, like I was saying, makes it hard work to sit here and do nothing. So this quality of kind of patience and persistence, we kind of recognise that there's a goodness to the process. And you know, some of you have got some years, some decades even of practice. You really know that. And very helpful to important sometimes just to remind oneself of the goodness of the whole process of our practice. 
we tend to reduce it to what's happening now. I want to feel, I want to know something about freeness and peacefulness and uh, now. And, you know, experience won't necessarily yield that way now. And sometimes the, the, the habit energy right, of those pulls and pushes is, is too strong right now. So the fact this, this sort of again and again, what one of my teachers calls short, called short moments repeated many times. Right? That willingness to not measure our meditation, to not measure you know, how much of the last meditation was I present and how much was I not. It's not really helpful, that way of looking at it. Rather, just this patience, this persistence, this willingness to keep gently engaging, gently engaging, gently engaging. And the way in which that, that starts to um, cultivate some real steadiness. And... You know, these five or six days that we have here, they can seem like a long time or they can seem like a short time, right? But there's certainly the opportunity to just cultivate this kind of steadiness, willingness, patience and persistence. And then another quality is the kind of the, the the recognizing the learning that's in it you know it can seem like every time it can seem like every time we're caught up in practice oh we've lost something or we've failed in some way and then when we come back to breath that's where it's happening but the practice can't be reduced to that it's the whole process we start to actually see and learn and value, hopefully, the fact that, oh, every time you get caught up, right, and you notice that, and you drop it, several things are happening. One, noticing is happening. Noticing is happening. Noticing is happening. And then secondly, you're actually cultivating the capacity to just to regain a kind of independence from your own abstracting mind from your own discursive thought from your own storytelling and then the third thing that's happening is you, you're cultivating that willingness to just to give yourself rather wholeheartedly to this moment this bubble in the stream and it may take us a while to see the goodness of that <coughs> maybe we have to take it on faith for a little while but <coughs> the, the repetition of that you know 10,000 times 100,000 times million times and the repetition of that it, it's, it's like training a muscle right whatever you feed that's what grows so if you feed absorbing into any old um, you know pulls and pushes on your attention that's what grows. And of course, you know, mostly, you know, we, when we start practice, we realize we've spent some decades just, you know, unconsciously feeding all of that, uh, all of those habits. So 
So of course it might take some time for the, the nourishment we've given those to start to fade. And yet, right here, right now, in this moment, we can start to feed, to support, to cultivate something else. And then the third quality is really just one of being gentle with oneself. We're holding the whole process lightly. It's you know it's pretty it's normal to have a crazy mind. It's normal that a lot of the thoughts are rubbish. It's normal that the ones that aren't rubbish are complicated. It's normal that the ones that aren't complicated are are convoluted in some way. It's normal that there's thoughts we'd rather not have. It's normal that there's, there's some that are completely kind of delight and seduce us and carry us off into, you know, building, what's the phrase, castles in the sky or something. Is that the phrase? Yeah. I'm getting muddled up with the French phrase. In French we say building castles in Spain for some reason. But And so that's on the, the, there's a kind of fine line with, on the one hand, being willing to kind of be impeccable, okay? patient and persistent, patient and persistent. And then on the other hand, forgiving ourselves, forgiving ourselves, being gentle with the fact that, you know, mind exerts its influences on us, habits exert their influence on us. On us. And that's, a, that's a, again, it's a seeming contradiction. Sometimes I call that 100% commitment plus 100% forgiveness. If you've only got one, if you've just got the 100% commitment thing, then that's what I was speaking about earlier. You know, one tends to lean too hard in. Right, I'm really going to do this meditation thing. If you're just on the other side, oh, it's okay, oh, it's okay, don't worry, we can do it tomorrow. Tend to go too floppy, collapsed. And so we find a way to be both impeccable and gentle, both committed and forgiving. And these qualities, of course, aren't just qualities for somehow deepening meditation. They're qualities that start to shape and transform our lives. And start to find that capacity to be more steady, more receptive more sensitive, more aware of what's happening, what's, what's streaming through right now. We start to be more aware of the familiar habit patterns with which we meet those streams, the reaching or the resisting or the removing ourselves. We start to be more steady in our capacity to stay, to feel, to meet, to allow. start to be more gentle in the way we treat ourselves and each other. And as that steadiness develops, then we find that the feeling of being against the stream starts to change. That we're not struggling with life. We're present in the midst of life. In, those, in that beginning phase, 
it can seem like the stream of habits is so strong, we, we can't imagine, we can't imagine being constantly present. And the reason we can't imagine it is because it seems like it would be too much work. Right? It seems like the, the reaching, what was I calling it, reaching and resisting and removing, right? The, 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 the losing ourselves in abstraction and thought and reactivity and etc. It seems like there's so much of that, or that it's so strong, that it would demand some kind of superhuman force of will to just remain present constantly in the midst of that. But as we generate these qualities, as we kind of steady and patient, as we recognize the goodness of, and the cultivation that's happening, as we get more gentle with things, we, what we notice a crucial change. But actually, it's not being present that takes the work. The work is already happening. Every thought takes the work of we're kind of invested in it. Every time you notice that you've gotten caught up in some reaction or in some reaching or some resisting, whatever it is, you can feel actually the, the, the energy that's invested in that, the contraction of, of it. Right? The, one, the fact that one's fixated upon that uncomfortable feeling in my knee or that I'm contracted around that story about what happened and what she did or what he said. Well, I've contracted around that hope that the bell would ring and that we can go to supper, whatever it is. And that those contractions, that investment, that reaching, resisting, removing, that's actually what takes a lot of work. Being present is effortless. Being present is the unnatural condition in as soon as we... Drop the drama, the reaching, resisting, etc. And increasingly we're able to experience that, that being present not as something I'm doing, but as the natural result of, of undoing, of stopping doing. And there's a kind of complete fulcrum tip then whereby being uh, aware being awake being present being intimate with life's streaming isn't a going against anything isn't an act of will it's natural easeful it's aligned with this the way life is streaming through awareness rather than any kind of conflict with and that's really available with some sincerity you know and regularity with some patience and persistence with cultivating that which is helpful with holding it all gently sure as eggs is eggs i think is the saying i don't know what that means unstoppably that switch from trying to be present to resting into the natural 
immediacy of and intimacy with life. And within that there's a certain knowing of entering into. Entering, aligning with the streaming of life. A certain clarity about the way experience is, the way it forms and unforms. A certain confidence in one's capacity to be with oneself, to be with other life, to be with what's happening. A certain increasing uh, knowing that one doesn't need to reach as a way to try to feel okay. That one doesn't need to resist as a way to try to feel okay. Because there's a a kind of fundamental, deep okayness in that intimacy with life. And the same stuff plays out. Pleasant moments, unpleasant moments, liking the pleasant, disliking the unpleasant. But the struggle, the resistance, the friction starts to dissolve. We start to be able to really know and trust and express the freeness of being that we've been speaking about. It's in the spirit of that freeness then that I offer these reflections. It's in the spirit of that freeness that we sit and walk and listen and attend to life together. It's in the spirit of that freeness that I, that I invite you, or that actually that your experience invites you to, to see into, to feel into, to find out about what's happening moment by moment. It's in that spirit that we, you know, we dedicate our practice here to life's freeness, our freeness, each other's freeness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.